The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like when I get fitted for clothes or a suit or yeah. pants every now and then, they're always like, oh, oh, you, your thighs are kind of big and your butt. And I'm like very proud of that. They go, you're white, right? Yeah. You know, I am, actually. Yeah. I am, I am. <laughs> That's right. I am proud of that. I am proud. I am not worried about me eating a few extra calories and getting a little more bedunk and dunk and thunder thighs, okay? That's what we are here at the podcast. Chris Sims unbutton. It's a Monday after week two. Ahmed Farid is here. He is trolling me again with my Chris Sims unbutton shirt. One year, one time, sometime in the future, I will get a shirt as well. But for now, you sport it so handsomely. Awesome day again. Good to be here with you, bro. Good to be here, too. Thanks for the quick turnaround. I saw you last night with Catherine Tappan on Peacock. That yeah, show was good. It's good. Always fun. We have a good time together. It's, it was, you know, highlights in football. It's, yep. It works well. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah. I was thinking that week one set the bar pretty high. Yeah. And you always need it. You, there's going to be a letdown at some point. Yeah. Like maybe it's going to be in week two. Right. It was not in week two. No, it definitely was not in week two. I think we can expect this, you know, I, I think this will be a reoccurring theme almost every year in the NFL right now. And I think we might even see craziness again next week. Teams are still finding what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Lack of preseason play makes teams inconsistent, mess things up. You know, we saw a lot of teams screw end of the game situations up. So I think there's a lot of that. And then week two also gets into, you know, we've had this discussion a lot in our history. It, it's you're all in one. The building in the NFL gets so tight that even if you're not the better team that you're playing, the, the desperation factor of, oh, no, we could go 0-2. And, and you very rarely see teams come back from that, right? It's only yeah. you know maybe one team a year, every right. few years, whatever, to where that desperation factor, I think, you know, plays a big key into the craziness too. Wait, we got to do something here. You know, we got to we got to do this. We got to call a trick play, whatever, uh, to find that advantage to get to one on one. And and yeah, it's crazy when you look at the NFL right now and you go, there's only two teams undefeated in the AFC: the Chiefs and the Dolphins, and in the NFC. You know, we have the Giants and the Bucks as two and zero, and then yeah. the two teams that'll play tonight, right. Minnesota and Philadelphia. So I think it just shows you how equal the league is, right? And just it's it's how equal the league is. And then yes, teams not really knowing exactly what they are or playing their best football. 
it all leads to some crazy things. At least that's my my take on the situation. Bills undefeated could be two and zero. Right. So right. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. I, the Bills too. Exactly right. Um, but you're right. Uh, the number of teams who are undefeated is dwindling very quickly. Yeah. The here. Dolphins of seventy two are going to be you know popping that champagne <laughs> bottle here maybe yeah. early this year. They go get. Are we able to have one for <laughs> September? Right. Do we? Have, I don't even know if we have that. Seriously. Um. All right. So we're going to go through all the games that is our promise to you, you the know. homies here. Uh, we'll try to keep it under four and a half hours. That is our promise to Kristen and our crew here today. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. we might have to go over because there. Were some crazy games there was some crazy comebacks once again and that's that's where we're going to start here because we, we did this last week too the comebacks that are just mind-boggling that you're like all right they might make it close but there's no way this team will come back i think we had two games that were 98 percent win probability right. for the team and one right. of those games is right where we start with the dolphins coming back beating the ravens uh, just a, a miracle amazing it's alive and here you Two go Anon's alive. so this is what i'm saying this is where we start yeah do you this finally do you finally have to capitulate to the two lovers out there and say once and for all you were wrong well i'm not saying i'm once and for all i'm not going <laughs> to say that in week two okay i'm not going to do that yet i'm not i'm not yet no you're leaving the door open uh, of course that's a possibility you know who i am yeah. i always try to keep it real i'm not going to be stubborn and just go well i said this three years ago and i'm never going to get off that fucking pedestal and i'm going to stay there forever that's what idiots do okay so i'm not going to do that no there's we've seen encouraging signs two weeks in a row certainly that was special I mean, that was special yesterday. That was amazing, like you're talking about. It really is. But at the same time, am I going to sit here and just go, oh, my gosh, I'm sold. He's definitely capable of bringing them deep into a playoff run. No, not exactly. I mean, as awesome as it was, and they're an awesome football team that's fun to watch, and there's talent everywhere on their football team. And that was a, a magical comeback. I'm certainly not taking anything away from that. I think we got to also be real in the situation of here. There was some unbelievably dumb shit the Ravens did at the end of the game, too. You know, So, uh, amazing comeback. And the pressure the Dolphins put on you on both sides of the ball. Which, you know, I think, hey, the first thing, the Ravens, they got embarrassed last year right on the Thursday night game with the all-out blitz package against the Dolphins. And they got upset, remember? I think the Dolphins had one win during the year at that point. Yeah. That kind of jump-started them. You know, there was a talk all this week about the Ravens. We got answers for this defense. We're not. We're going to be prepared this time around. Well, they were prepared. There's no question about that. They made some big plays against those everybody at the line of scrimmage look, whether it was the Lamar Jackson long touchdown run or even the Rashad Bateman one play 75 yard touchdown pass. So that was that was cool to see. That you know they kind of said they had a plan and they showed it to us. But you know, on the other side of the ball, you know, kudos to Miami for hanging in there a little bit. And then really putting together a tough drive in the second half to make it 28-14. Great throw in the middle of the end zone to Gasecki, right? So now it's 28-14. Lamar breaks the the long touchdown run mm-hmm. on the on the next drive on a third and two, I believe, if memory serves me correct. But then from there on out, I think the you know, hey, Tua offense, McDaniel made a lot of made a lot of great plays, kept being aggressive, all that. I think the concerning thing to me is just though. Like, the Ravens are going to win the game if they can just make the Dolphins drive for a period of time. But the Dolphins scored so quickly and so abruptly 
that it was, I mean, of course, yeah, they had a chance to come back in the football game. And I think, you know, again, as, as awesome as the plays were and the pressure they put on the, the Ravens' defense, it, the, the Ravens with some monumental sure. F-ups uh, in the fourth quarter, that, that certainly made it, you know, more realistic for them to come back. It was three touchdowns in the fourth quarter in 15 plays yeah. to tie it up. That's right. There you That's go. That's insane. 15 plays is all it took That's insane. for the Miami Dolphins to tie it up. And it was almost like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, there was a blown coverage out there. Yeah. They got some new pieces in the secondary due to the Ravens, and so they're still trying to figure it out. Yes. But it almost was like on a couple of, they just, uh, the, the players themselves underestimated the speed of Tyreek Hill, it looked like. I, I feel like it was all game long. I mean, it was. I was during the game yelling in the room going like, wait, how many times are they going to like be in press situation or like the safety's going to be at 12 yards and he's Tyreek Hill's like next to him and he's not going to respect his speed and let him get by him or, or threaten him or either way. It was a little shocking. It was over aggressive. You know, it goes back to our old saying. This is like the thing too where in the NFL, I don't, coaches are never wrong anymore as long as they say we're, we were being aggressive, right? Well, you were up by 35 points, but we were being aggressive, so we kept blitzing. And we were just aggressive. We were trying to win it right there. And I just, you know, not that they were being crazy aggressive, but I think unnecessarily taking, you know, chances that you didn't have to. And then I think to your point, too, like two new safeties and a system that's complicated. You know, one's a rookie, Marcus Williams, first year coming from the Saints. And obviously, you know, obviously there was miscommunication. When you have the long touchdown pass up the left sideline, right, to Tyreek Hill, there was definitely something wrong there. I don't know if it was Marcus Williams or or, uh, or Hamilton, uh, yeah, Hamilton. Ha- Kyle Hamilton, excuse me, who was supposed to be over there. But either way, somebody was supposed to be over there. They were trying to make it look like a blitz look and then drop out to cover two, and there was no cover two safety over there. So they made our man Jalen Armour Davis look bad because he just let Tyreek go by him, and he's supposed to have the safety yeah. there. The first touchdown before that, the post to the right. You know, again, that's one I'll be interested to watch on on film a little bit because I don't know exactly. All I know is Marcus Peters was in a position where he was one on one. There was no safety help, and Hamilton was over on that side of the ball, but looking across the field like he was been coached to. Hey, we want to put you here to scare them from going to Tyreek, but we're really going to have you look up for a crosser or something like that. So I don't yeah. know. Again, maybe he messed up. Maybe he was coached to do that, but those are things i got to see on film. Either way, good job by Tua and them taking advantage of those open plays there and you know making a game of it. And then the clutch drive in the end really put him over the top. He is the second youngest player since 1950. We like to go back to 1950. We don't like to go back before then. Nah, it's a nah, different who game Who cares about that? Yeah. Second youngest player since 1950 with 450 passing yards and six or more touchdowns behind only Patrick Mahomes. I think, Kristen, do we have the graphic? Have we already shown it? The the fourth quarter, the crazy fourth quarter. Four touchdowns in just the fourth quarter alone. 13 completions, as you mentioned on the Peacock show last night. Plug for that show. 13 completions for 199 yards. They were stretching the field. Some blown coverages there. But we got a, a comment here from Brady Horn 26. It says, damn okay to Tua. We haven't even gotten to the damn okay section yeah, yet. Yeah, but he's okay. giving it to We're us. Do this one. guy's a producer here. I'm a big Dolphins fan. Finally started having some doubts about him in the first half yesterday. That's funny because I saw some tweets, too, from some Dolphins fans that yeah. said, if you think Tua's the answer, you're a homer. Right. Those are Dolphins fans. Right. So it, things changed in the second half. Uh, and he goes, but he shut me up right with the second half performance. I have uh, the best I've personally ever watched. Um, so Dolphins I, like here's the funny thing about it. Like we go back and forth. Tua, you you've never been a huge huge fan of what Tua does on the field. You've right. loved him as a person. You've interviewed right. him before. 
Dolphins fans don't want to admit it, but that's why the the hate comes at you so aggressively. Yeah, right. Because there are obviously doubts out there. What would he have to do to finally get you to say maybe I was completely wrong about Tua? Yeah, I you know I, I think I've, I'm pretty steadfast on this. You know, again that was impressive, and the fact that he was cool and calm under pressure. The Waddle touchdown where he moves up in the no pocket, doubt. finds that Waddle, great. throws it up. The Gusecki. other the the other the the Craycraft one where yeah. he kind of spun out of the pocket like 360 move. That that's great. That's what he's good at. He is mobile like that. He is you know shifty and crafty within the pocket. There's no doubt. You know, but but again, hey, it's early season football. There's mistakes, and there's people wide open. I'm not going to sit there. That that's not going to happen in week 17. It's not going to happen in the wild card game where they're going to be like, "Whoa, look! They just happened not to cover Tyreek Hill in the fourth quarter." Like the the game fell perfectly. So I still and there was plenty of throws in the first half that were concerning as to the comments you're talking about social yeah. media. I mean, the interceptions were bad, right? I mean, but but. Really, ultimately, in the second half, again, it was really good. But, I mean, guys were wide open all over the place. And if they can continue to do that, that's great. And then they're going to be a real Super Bowl contender here as we go forward, too. That's what I was going to say for my second point is maybe this is just really good team construction, right? Because every team's going to want a Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, obviously. But maybe for a team with a quarterback that doesn't have necessarily that strong of an arm that might need some wide receivers that are more playmakers. No doubt about it. It's like maybe, you know, it's like you've you've said, you know, this is a, a... Tom Brady can do more with more than anyone out there. Right. Well, I mean, Tua is not going to make Scotty Miller an all pro. But if you pair him up with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, yeah. I mean, then you got something dangerous there. You, no doubt about it. You've helped out your team and where maybe they are weak with some elite wide receivers. Agreed. And then all the creativity they have before the snap, they stress you out. Yes. They get you going horizontally, right? It's, oh, wait, here goes Waddle this way, Tyreek this way. Hey, outside zone, Shanahan's zone scheme. Oh, bootleg out the other side. So they get you going this way, sideline to sideline. And then all of a sudden they do a play action fake. And because you're going sideline to sideline, now it's like Tyreek Hill 20 yards over the middle, right? Because, hey, Hey, we've got we've spread everybody out, so now there's kind of a hole or a window to throw into there. There's certainly a correct formula going on to your point. There's no doubt about that. You know, but again, what I would say is as teams continue to gather information here with McDaniel and how he's attacking, I would think those windows become less and less wide open, and that's where you're gonna have to see Tua make the plays and throws. You know, you said it, new pieces in the secondary, you know, the two safeties we mentioned, Demarion Williams, right, a rookie who played a lot for them, number twenty two. Marcus Peters is not a hundred percent. Marlon Humphrey was a game time decision, right? So there was a lot of issues here, right? Other thing I'll say too, you know, just to the Ravens side here. The Ravens, in my opinion, and I got to go back and watch here a little bit more, but to me, overplayed the run game. Like they were playing the 1972 Dolphins with Larry Zonka. There was too many plays where I was going, they're not going to run it. They can't run it. It's not that they're not that good up front yet to where they're just going to dominate you. They're just getting in these formations to get easy completions. And you know that's that was the big thing. You know, again, I've never seen a team that's so good at. Also, you know, I know we have the deep balls in the fourth quarter, but before that, I mean, how many times did he throw a ball out into the flat or screen pass to Tyree Kill and it's whoa, he got ten yards by throwing the ball a yard behind the line of scrimmage. They are dangerous. You've heard me talk about when we did the roster thing. It's, what did I make their roster? I think they were like number six for me, yeah. right? I left them all of the top five. It's one of the best rosters in the game. They're creatively coached. They're really good. Don't know why Baltimore played so aggressive to stop the run. And Baltimore, too, 
Where I worry about them a little bit, just to hit on them for a second, is they have no run game right now. They're, they're, that's a little concerning. It's two weeks in a row, and they can't run the ball a lick on anybody. What do you and, mean? Lamar Jackson, nine carries for 119 well, yards. Yeah, that, after, that's where, I mean, it's just it's too Lamar-centric right yeah. now. And Hill, Lamar played great. Hill I mean, was it, their second-leading rusher with 16 yards. Yeah, that, that's just carries. not going to get it done for Baltimore Ravens football. That's not. And, you know, so there, so there you have, and this is what's crazy about the NFL right now. I believe it's 35-14, right? I might, I might, I might have this wrong either way, but Baltimore goes down on a drive, gets stopped on a fourth and one, gives the ball back to you know the Dolphins on a short field yep. or you know half it the, field. It was at their own. My Dolphins had it at their own forty. Forty right so. in there, right, right. So you're you know a completion away from maybe getting in field goal territory. Yep. So that the next drive is, I believe a a a run that ended up in a penalty and then it was three straight passes so it was a four and out basically they get the ball back they go score so now you think whoa this 21 point lead we're doing good and you're going no no you're not it's down to a touchdown here and it happened within like you're talking about eight plays here and all of a sudden it becomes a game and the momentum was so heavily on Miami's side and uh, they just you know Basically, the the Ravens fell apart as the as the game went on. There, Rocky Top Forty Two wants to give some love to Lamar Jackson. Damn, okay to Lamar. He bet on himself, and he's making the Ravens pay here. Yeah, imagine if you're Lamar Jackson, three hundred eighteen yards through the air, three touchdowns, no interceptions, one hundred nineteen on the ground, and everyone's talking about the other I know. quarterback. That's that is, in this it's unbelievable. Game. Some weapons for the the Ravens, though. Some the positive here. I'll just end with this. Yeah, uh, the two fastest ball carriers in the NFL this week, both yeah. on the Ravens, Devin Duvernay and that kickoff return. Ooh, he was flying. Got going twenty one and a half Bateman. miles. Per hour, and Rashad Bateman was wow. number two. That the- was surprising. Yeah, when he was, took off, I went, oh, they're going to catch him. And he kind of like had another gear the last 20 or 25 yards to pull away from Xavier Howard and company. Uh, so that that was impressive. And hey, their passing game looks good. I, I would you know? be I, almost, if I was a Ravens fan, you're yeah. devastated that you blew this game, but you're right. like, all right. There's a lot of positives. There's so many positives. They're, right. right? they're going to get healthier on the defensive side of the ball. They'll be better on that side of the ball. And if they can get a little run game going, the one thing is, is, is Lamar looks good. And he looks like he is on his A game, that's for sure. Now, you know, we'll see. They got to put it, to put the rest together, certainly. But Miami is the story, like you said. Yeah. They're impressive. Miami arguably has the fastest offense in football. I mean, I think that's. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say when you couple the two receivers who both got three rockets up their ass. Gasecki's ability to run. Raheem Mostert at running back. You know, we get a four by one hundred relay. I don't think anybody's beating the Dolphins. I don't think anybody is. And and you know, even then, the cast of characters they have around that at receiver too. They're not not too shabby either so right. they are going to be scary that way and uh it'll be interesting to see you know if mcdaniel can keep coming up with the tricks and the formula and everything like that and Tua keeps playing this kind of football shit they're going to be tough to beat mobile quarterbacks like lamar so fun to watch and that includes kyler murray whoa <laughs> it's ridiculous to watch in the second half cardinals did nothing in the first half they came back they beat the raiders in overtime 29 23 and let's start for uh, something with our uh, for our viewing audience here on Peacock or our YouTube channel, which we don't need to promote anymore. We don't care anymore about it. Because we're it's at 50,000. It's like, over 50,000, so you don't need to sign up for it anymore. We're there. We made it. We've arrived. Uh, Kyler Murray, we got the dots. Pete and uh, Kristen, do we have the dots on the two-point conversion that was the craziest two-point conversion late in the game that we maybe have ever seen? It, it was It was up there. It went for over 20 seconds. He's standing in the pocket, scrambling Raiders only rushing two. He's going back and forth. And he ended up running, according to Next Gen Stats, 84.9 yards. It was amazing. I was getting the makeup at this time and going like, 
and you know, I was driving the makeup woman crazy because I was like, <laughs> "Would you get off me with this stupid brush so I could see this play? Because this is unbelievable." <laughs> I mean, it really is. Uh, and you know, uh, you know, I think, yeah, it's it's he's a special talent. He is. He made some big plays in the fourth quarter. The Cardinals. You know, again, I mean, they seem dead in the water, and I yeah. went, "Oh man, they got no chance of winning this football game. They're even screwed." After, yeah, even after that play, they were still down eight, and you're like, "All right, do they even have a chance here?" It's 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 um, it's it's so like all right, their defense played good in the second half. I mean, that's the one thing. The Raiders couldn't stay on the field. I mean, it was literally like three plays and we're out. Three plays and we're out. Three plays and we're out. And so, of course, the Cardinals kept getting the ball. At least it seemed that way. And then the Cardinals just, you know, as we saw last year, they have playmakers. I don't ever sit there and just go, oh, wow, they got it. They cracked the code. And they're just picking apart this defense. It's just it's him making an amazing play. It's A.J. Green making an unbelievable catch, you know, in tight quarters. It's, you know, then there's a little Hollywood Brown. So it's a weird feel for the Arizona Cardinals. I know they won the game. It was gutsy and all that. I just don't know if it's sustainable with the way they play. I don't look at the Raiders as being a real special football team, not for the way McDaniels wants to coach them, right? And, you know, as good as Derek Carr looked in the first half, it looked like they ran out of tricks in the second half. They're not a great running football team. And their defense, you know, minus the two edge rushers, they're not real special on that side of the ball either. And Arizona, as we know, even though they're like, I don't expect them to be as good, they do have speed and playmakers on both sides of the ball as far as receiver, you know, speed there. The quarterback, of course, is electric. And the defense, when you take in Buda Baker, Byron Murphy Jr., those type of guys, yeah, Isaiah Simmons with the big forced fumble at the end of the football game, they have the potential to be difference makers that way. I still worry about their front seven you know, and their offense in general, but, man, that was a, a huge win where at halftime I was literally going, man, the Cardinals are going to suck this year. Yeah. They're in deep shit, and they don't look good. It was 20 to nothing Raiders at halftime. Cardinals outscored them 29 to 3 from that point. Everything forward worked for the Cardinals. That's where I guess but I But it look almost at it. didn't even at the end of the game. It's like I think they needed eight or nine plays from the 12 yard line in at the end of the game, scoring with it was no an time on the play clock. drive. Right. They, there was a point in that drive, too, where they had a fourth down. The Raiders held. Uh, but then they literally held uh, on that play. Yeah, because Kyler right. was, when he was scrambling, scrambling right? Yeah. He stresses your defense out that way, right? So you think you're doing good, but eventually somebody gets open, and now you're you're worried about you know. Yes, they're uh, like, wait, is anybody ever going to tackle this guy? Whatever, and you can't cover a receiver forever. That's uh, that's for sure. So Kyler's getting a lot of the love, but Tanner Morris, we got smart homies out there, of course, obviously, right? Yeah. He goes, Kyler Murray certainly deserves a damn okay for taking over against the Raiders, but what about left tackle DJ Humphreys? Absolutely shut down former teammate Chandler Jones, made sure he never got that revenge game. Yeah, it mm. didn't seem like he popped at all. No, I, didn't I, I think DJ Humphreys is really their their. You know, blue chip lineman on their football team. I think we tried to talk about him last week a little bit. I think actually, I mean, he's he's the one guy I do look at. And they were a little healthier on the O line uh, in this game compared to Week One altogether. And they were better. They certainly were. You know, yeah, I thought that maybe Max Crosby and Chandler Jones were going to give them issues. And even on a few of those plays where they scrambled and he made yeah. some great plays, like they were very close to making the play. Crosby did. He affected the game quite a, a lot bit more, in the first right? Half, yeah. I think even in the second half. There was half a few was times close. I felt like he was going to get a sack and fell off of Kyler Murray and I like, yeah. couldn't just bring him down. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate for the Raiders because that's why they got those guys. I mean, we know Max Crosby was there, but they got Chandler Jones because they went, I mean, we got to close games out when we got a lead. And, you know, for them not to be able to do that, that's kind of a heartbreaking way to go down in your, your home opener. I feel bad for Hunter Renfro. 
He yes. fumbled on that. He was he was really trying for the extra one or two yards, get him into field goal range. I didn't think that was egregious. I know he fumbled two plays before that too, but it was kind of similar, just trying to get every every last yard. And then Byron Murphy picks oh, it up and goes right. back. Yeah. Isaiah Simmons' great play to cause the fumble. Yeah, though, just realizing, hey, play. I got a smaller guy. He's off balance. Let me waylay him, and he hit him hard enough to just you know you know uh, jiggle the ball free there. And yeah, Hunter Renfro's not a big guy. You know, it is. It's unfortunate. You're right. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He's just trying to get a few extra yards to set them up for the field goal where you thought like, oh, wow, one more completion after this and you're going, they're going to, this is an easy field goal. They're going to win the game. And uh, it turned just like that. I think the interesting thing I'm interested to see too is just the fact that um, I want to see what they did to Devontae Adams. Yes. You know, there was one or two plays I saw where I went, ooh, Carr missed Adams. But for the most part... Two catches, 12 yards, seven targets. Yeah, did not have the same the same day. And, you know, yeah, like I said, there was two I felt like that, okay, that could have been a completion. Other ones I felt like it was just like, he kind of was just like, wait, he's I'm just going to throw it over there and hopefully he can make a catch. But they obviously had a plan for him, and he was non-existent really throughout the day. Raiders with their largest blown lead in franchise history. Man. Dropped to 0-2. It's not fun for your buddy, Josh McDaniels nah, this I feel week. Bad for and Josh and the Raiders. Not fun for the Browns either. Whoa. As the New York Jets come back, and this one, they all were weird and surprising in their own way, right? A couple of second-half comebacks. This one was like, it looked like the Browns had this thing up until the final minute and a half no doubt. of this game. Um, the Jets had a .3, so a 0.3% win probability following Nick Chubb's 12-yard touchdown run. And that's what I was planning on talking about today. I was like, man, he iced the game with a great run there. A touchdown before that was also Nick Chubb. I yes. was like, man, he's awesome. Let's right. talk about Nick Chubb here. Right. Uh, but I guess we have to talk about the Jets. But it was very similar to what we saw with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Corey Davis left wide open to get him within a touchdown there. It's like, how, how, how does that happen? The Browns have some issues in the defensive secondary for sure. No, no doubt. I mean, the, 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 yeah, you classify this one a little more with the Ravens one. Like the, the Raiders one, I look at and go, they didn't do anything wrong with how they were coached or approach it. They just had a fucking guy who is, you know, just a superhero at quarterback who they could not contain and he made some great throws and all that. This is ones where the Ravens and the Browns can go back and go, wait, what did we do wrong? And like you, like you said, I was. I mean, he runs around the left edge for that last touchdown, Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb, let me just say this: he's phenomenal. I mean, to me, he's him, Jonathan Taylor. You know, I don't want to miss anybody else here. And I know Derrick Henry's in that conversation. I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to see Derrick Henry if he is in their class still. Well, that's what – I mean, preseason you had Jonathan Taylor number one. Right. And you had Nick Chubb as your number well, two running they, back. They are, I mean, powerful, explosive, you know, can turn the corner, can make people miss in short spaces. That's where I think they're special. But, yeah, Cleveland, when Brissett – I mean, I was getting ready like, so what's the theme of the highlights? And I was like, Brissett was smart and played well. He looked good. And their offensive run game took over as the game went along. And I just – that was going to be the story of our highlight package when we did the, you know, Football Night in America pregame show there. And all of a sudden, wait, it's it's cover three and – I don't. It, Denzel Ward was the co- corner to that side, so now they're up 30, 30 to seventeen, and there's really no chance the Jets have to win the football game unless they score fast, and they have no timeouts. So you're really going, oh, well, they scored fast, but I mean it doesn't really matter. They, they're still not going to win, even when he threw the touchdown. I was like, oh my gosh, the Browns, they're so stupid. Oh my gosh, but I was like, oh, all right, well they still got to kick an onside kick here. There's no way they can really win the game. And then they kick an onside kick to the left, and like. 
Like, the ball's dribbling forever, and there's no Brown there to make a play on it, right? I mean, that, that to me was the other shocking aspect of it. So the Browns blew it, plain and simple. Should have won the football game, messed up end-of-the-game situations. They're going to be sick there. But Ooh, so you're you're giving no credit to the Jets, and you know what? Robert Sala listens to this. He's going to take a receipt. You're going to take a receipt of yeah. what you just said. Well, you didn't let me finish my sentence. All right, <laughs> because I wanted to get that joke in before you before the I Jets. before yeah. I gave the Jets the phrase. Good, thank you. You got it in. Yeah. Yes, but the, but having said that, the Jets looked good. The Jets, I like again. You know, competitive in the football game. I love that. Sala caused the fake punt early in the game to kind of get things started. Flacco looked good. Right, I mean, they run the ball. There's things to like about their football team. They're not as good as the Cleveland Browns. They're not as roster is complete wise. I don't think they are. No, I don't. But um, you know, you make a few mistakes like the Browns do, and 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 especially at the end of the game there, and all of a sudden you're sitting at home going one and one, and you clearly should have been two and zero. Oh. Omri Peteru tweets in and says, "Hey guys, love the podcast." As a Jets fan who almost turned off the game with two minutes left. I think Garrett Wilson deserves a damn okay shout-out. Yeah. One big drop, but he made up for it later. Love from Israel. Oh, Israel. Hey, what's Hello. Up? Yeah, Hello Garrett Wilson, looks, he looks good. And he got hurt in the game. And right. Was, fell on his fell butt on his, or his Yeah, looked side, like a tailbone really. injury almost. Yeah, right. And I was like, uh-oh, he might be out yeah. for a while. Came back in, looked awesome. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's got it all. There's nothing about his game where you don't like. And I, I guess the one thing I'm, I'm like, I'm still with him, like, how explosive is he? You know, but he's still, like... He's going to be their go-to guy as the season goes along, certainly. And again, that was an encouraging win. It was just, it was an encouraging win. But it, you know, for the Browns, if you put him, there, there were so many points in the game too where, oh my gosh, were they so close to strip sacking Flacco? Or it was, oh my gosh, this is about to be a disaster, and he just throws the ball or gets it out of his hands before he gets hit and waylaid, and the ball flies into the air. You know, just there was, there was. No doubt in my mind as we were watching the game that the Browns were the better football team. Uh, but again, just messed up some some crucial situations. Yeah, and you mentioned it real quick. Jacoby Brissett, there were some scrambling plays where he created time. He's got a strong arm. He has a very strong arm. I, like, I know. He looks, he looks pretty good. Yeah, I, I he certainly like he can hold down the fort. I wouldn't, I, you know, like we said earlier in the year, I don't think it's going to be shocking to go, oh, it's time for Deshaun Watson to come back. And the to, conversation of like, wait, Cleveland's in the playoffs right now. Do we really want to make the switch? Do we want to do wow, that? That wouldn't be shocking. I mean, for them to be sitting there and like maybe they're eight and four, I wouldn't be like, oh wow, I can't believe this happened. At the very least, expecting them to take a big jump or a significant jump when Deshaun Watson gets in there, I don't think that's a guarantee. And I no. think it's possible. I mean, he hasn't played in a year and a half. Exactly now. right. It could be a, the opposite. Yes. It could be an actually a negative thing, you know. And and and, and I'll, I'll even say it now. I mean, if they are in that situation, and we'll discuss it as we get there to evaluate where the Browns are. But if it kind of like. You know, hey, Brissett's been good, and we're in the playoffs and things. I wouldn't upset that. I'd go, you know what, let's just let Deshaun practice and get back in the flow of the NFL, not throw him out there in a situation where now if he does bad, everybody's like, what the fuck? We paid this guy $230 million guaranteed. How stupid are we? Right? So I would want him to look at his best, too, and I'm not sure he's going to look at his best after not playing for 13 weeks. So this is how crazy it was this past Sunday. Per yeah. Next Gen Stats, over the last seven seasons, there have been 17 games where the winning team had less than a 2% win probability at one point during the game. Three of them happened yesterday, and two of them were the Cleveland Browns. That's unreal. The actual Browns. And the old Browns. And the old Browns. Yeah, right. The Baltimore Ravens. The Browns is the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> the Browns. In. Uh, crazy comebacks here. 
Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. So we move on now to the NFC contenders are back section of the podcast we worried in week one maybe but no they're they're back now and we start with the 49ers who have their quarterback back unfortunately under under bad circumstances jimmy garoppolo comes back trey lance hurt early in the game on a run uh looks like he broke a bone in his leg ankle ankle area there he's gonna have surgery today maybe already had it and we'll be back next year hopefully and so that sucks to see because for whatever you thought of trey lance we wanted to see it happen with our own eyes. We wanted to see if he was no going to you know, right. quiet the doubters or right. if the doubters had a point. We, you just want to see it, and that yeah. sucks for Trey Lance. And he's not going to play football for another year here, and he's who knows where this leaves his career. But um, 62 on the nose tweeted in. This is something I saw some 49er fans saying. Right. Would love to know what you thought of the play that knocked Trey Lance out of the game. Why call it? Well, they, you know, Again, he's not. This it's it's what he's made to do, and it's the thing that they can count on right now. They don't, because you you can't trust him picking anybody apart, throwing the football. So what does Shanahan have to do? He has to use him as a creative run game opportunity. It was a to, designed run. It was right, a designed for people who didn't run. see it. Second right. and eight, they were on Seattle's twenty-one. But the hit wasn't egregious. Listen, when the play happened, okay, I literally went ooh because. I, I and I'm I'm really would be interested to hear more about this. Maybe Shanahan or Lance will you know expand on it in the next press conference. They it looked like he almost went down before he got hit. It's almost to me where I was like, wait, did his ankle give out before he got hit, or was he kind of going down and his ankle got caught in a bad spot, and then the guys piled on him. Because it's not like your old, like, oh, look, you could see his foot got caught underneath a pile kind of look, right? He was in the hole, square, and then kind of started like, oh, wait, I'm going to get hit, and tried to like start to go down to protect himself a little bit. And it's like he didn't get his cleat out of the ground or something. It was very odd the way, the way it looked. Um, but either way, yes, it's unfortunate. You know, again, we were all excited to see whether it worked or failed or what Shanahan was going to do to continue to get this kid to progress, right? Um, and then I think the, the thing you just hit on is the is really my biggest concern. I mean, he didn't really play last year. The year before that was COVID at North Dakota State, and they only played he only played one game. And here he is again this year. He's only going to play one game. I mean, we're going we're going to year four before he before he's played sustained football for a guy that. Like I, like you've heard me say before, that people around the NFL go, he's a year away from being a year away. So now you're two years away from still that. Coming right? off an injury that kept you out for a year. Exactly. That so now he gets no problem. practice That's this year, right? He's going to get into, yeah, the off-season program, and it's it's still going to be, oh, let me just feel it out and be careful a little bit. So that that's that's where it really is unfortunate. But I will say this, you know, and 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 I'm. Don't take this wrong. I think it's a blessing in disguise for the 49ers. I really do. And I don't Not mean bless, that. I wouldn't say a blessing. Well, a blessing but, in this. But, but there, there's a chance that they. For the football team and X's and O's, I'm saying. They never would have. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. They yeah. never would have. There's a there's a chance that they never would have reached the heights of what they have been right. with Jimmy Garoppolo. And 
I mean, I don't know why you would think they would be any. It's not like Jimmy's. He's thirty years old. Yeah, it's not like he's, you know, decrepit and falling apart like no. a Joe Flacco who can still bring his team back and win. Right. I think what you're. I, I understand what you're saying. You know saying. what I'm saying? I just yeah. feel like it takes the pressure off the football team. Now Shanahan also doesn't go. Wait, I got to come up with a bunch of ways to make throws easy for him and design runs to make this guy that. You know, hasn't looked like the third pick in the draft. Look like the third pick in the draft. I think it put tremendous pressure on the whole organization. And then I know from other people around the league that, like, yeah, the the players on the offense, there's a lot of them. They want Jimmy Garoppolo. George Kittle and Debo Samuel, do you think they really want Trey Lance a quarterback right now? I'm just sorry. I'm just going to say it. No, I don't think they do. You know? I, you know, I, I don't. They're, they're not going to get the ball in the receiving game from Trey Lance the way they are from Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think they're probably happy about that. And honestly, and again, you know, I was excited to see where Trey Lance could go because, as I've always said, I think the potential of him being good with that offense is greater than Jimmy Garoppolo. Could we have got there by the end of the year? Yeah, I think there's a chance we could have. You know, but the way it looked, you know, even yesterday and last week, it was shaky. I don't know. And I felt like even watching Shanahan on the sideline during the game, that when Jimmy Garopp come early in the game, I, oh, he's stressed. Like, he just, you know, he's hoping it goes right for Trey Lance and all that. I felt like he looked like a different guy on the sideline was Jimmy Garoppolo. Because now he's like, okay, wait, I don't have to be perfect. I can trust this guy a little bit. Yeah, he might not make great, unbelievable plays, but he's going to re- execute the offense, and and um, you know, it was a good win. And long story short, twenty-seven-seven is misleading. This was an ass whooping. I mean, this was an ass whooping to the nth degree. Well, yeah, Seattle's lone touchdown was the field goal that was blocked return for a touchdown. There was there was they had one drive the whole game and that ended in the halfback pass. <laughs> yeah. Right? Which I cannot believe Pete Carroll let them call that ball down there. That was their only chance to kind of get back in the game. And then DJ Dallas gets the little run to the right. Yeah. Or no, he's running Wildcat, right? And runs to the right and throws a ball Right into the the, uh, the defender's arm. I think that was... Uh, Looney Ward. Was that who it was? It was a Charvarius Ward? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It was either Ward or Gibson. I can't remember which one it was there, but either way. Um, either way, it was not his own team. Yeah. It, it was, was not, not his, his own team. team. And that was night night. And they right muffed there. a punt after that. Seattle did. Right. Um, and so and then the 49ers cashed in with Kyle. Yeah, yeah. They're back. But here here's the Chris Sims stat of the game yeah. that I want to give you. Right. Uh, Geno Smith. Yeah. 80% completion percentage. Highest for a, for a quarterback with a minimum of 30 attempts in a game in which his team did not score an offensive touchdown since statistics were first tracked for individual players in 1932. We saw history in that game. Uh, yeah, 80%. That's good, right? Well, again, he's not going to be the problem this yeah. year. I just, I just want people to know. I they know it's Geno Smith. Yeah, they can run and... Like let's let's keep it real here. It's still the same Seattle offense that I've had issues with. Yeah, I mean you know that. Even last year, there's a lack of creativity. I've never seen a team struggle so hard to get their star receivers to football and get them involved in the game. And lack of plays where the first half was encouraging against the Broncos, where we're like, oh wow, there's some good game plan plays here. Ooh, that's nice. Ooh, 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 ooh. Well, the second half, they totally ran out. They had nothing. And then yesterday, I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing to look at at any point where I went, ooh, they got something going here. They might, they found the formula. I mean, it just that's where it's disappointing with uh, Seattle. And you know, they they got to be able to like get Lockett, and I know he had a pretty good day, but Lockett and Metcalf in the game together and earlier in the game. It can't be always like, 
you know, they're they're the side story, and that's what I think bothers me about them uh, altogether. Could give a damn okay to, uh, even though we're not there quite yet, Yeah, premature damn okays to uh, Talanoa Hufanga, six tackles, one tackle for a loss, two pass defenses. Someone to keep our eye on, because I've seen him. He's strong he's safety everywhere. for them. He's everywhere, from USC. Right. He, he's first two games of the year. He's yes. been everywhere. He has. Uh, he, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just he took the Jaquaski Tart job, right? That's why he's not there. And yeah, he's a player. He was one of those guys when I was at Notre Dame, he was at USC. So I got to see him up close in person. One of those guys that was too big in college, right? Cuz the the weight coach in college said, "You got to get bigger. You got to do more bench press." Because that's what they do in the NFL. So he was big and a little like a, a step slow, right? And I always wondered, I was like, wait, I don't know if he's fast enough to play safety in the NFL, but he's lost weight. He, you can see that. It was the first thing I noticed about him when I saw him in the preseason to go, oh, all right, finally, somebody got in his ear and was like, stop worrying about you bench 415 and let's run 4-5 instead of you know benching 450 because the, the benching's not doing you shit. All right? And yes, he certainly looks the part. He's got great instincts. He always did. And yeah, he's a ball hawk and he's um, you know got that crazy... You know, Troy Palomalo flair, too, when he's coming up to tackle you. And he's just it's like a kamikaze, which is really cool to watch. Nick Bosa also had a couple of sacks, five quarterback hits. He yeah. remains good. So the 49ers are good. back. He remains good. <laughs> yes. 49ers are back. Uh, and the Rams are back, too. So that's bad news for the 49ers. Right when they come back, uh, the Rams are back. Although... They almost blew this game. We almost had another game with a 2% win probability flipped on its head as they beat the Falcons 31-27 to in this one because they made the mistake of getting up, what was it, 28-3? to Yeah. And the Falcons were like, we've seen this we've before. We've seen this before, and we're not worried. We know what to we, do. We can do something. We've learned from Tom Brady. <laughs> it was crazy, too, because when they scored that touchdown to make it 28-3, to it was like Cooper Cup out of the backfield, 10 yards. I was like, man, this yeah. is so easy. Right. I was like, the story was written. You had your highlight. Yeah, it, this is how I'm going to talk about this game. And from that point forward, Give you know the, the Falcons credit, um, but it was a lot of Rams mistakes. As well. That that's the this is another. I mean, they won, but we could almost classify them with the Browns and the Ravens of going. Hey, you want to know how to fuck up a game? And you know, here's another another team. You know, let alone let's just say this. You know, the. Stafford threw an interception in the red zone going in one time where you yep. just go, are you, are you, why did you throw that ball? At no point was he open. He was throwing the ball, I think, to Tyler Higby down the right sideline. That was bad. You know, the 28 to three. And I believe that was set up by the next touchdown to make it 28 to 10 was an interception by Stafford down the middle of the field that gave him a short, uh, to Mikel Walker, right? So you have that. Then you have the, that interception, a block punt for a touchdown, and then Cooper Cup fumbles the ball. And yeah, I don't give a shit who you are. I mean, you could bring back the 78 Steelers. You do shit like that, you're going to be sweating it out at the end of the football game. The Rams are just, they're amazing. It doesn't matter what game it is. It's like, man, they're playing great. They're, there's just always going to be a moment where they're going to fuck shit up. It, it really is unreal. I mean, even the Super Bowl last year, you just go, up. Oh, it's Rams fuck-up time, and then they'll get it right again. But it's that Rams fuck-up series. We're going to have two or three series where we're just going to fuck shit up to make good, good ratings on TV, and then we'll reaccelerate. They're frustrating that way, but it was a good win, and like they were – they were better than a four-point winner over the Atlanta Falcons, I think, to your point and to, to what I'm saying. Do you, um, I mean, do you give any credit, though? This is two weeks in a row where Atlanta's been in a game, right? Saints, yeah. who he yeah. thinks a better team than them. Right. 
And here we go. Rams are a better team than that. You know, we got to, and I think you've respected Arthur Smith quite a bit there. I do. They've got some interesting players. One of those interesting players is Drake London on the offensive side. Freak show. Fish Snoop Jr. says Drake London is real. All caps. Yeah, he is. Even if the rest of the Falcons aren't. But maybe the jury's still out on that. And and London catching the TD in L.A., which was cool. USC product grew up there, too. And they, they targeted him. What was 12 targets? Um, more than anyone, by far more than anyone. So he and Mariota got something good going. No, they definitely do. They got somebody in there, this Drake London guy. I mean, they do. It, you know, you always hear me say something. It's a size league, right? He was a guy that didn't have a lot of yak or big explosive plays with the right. ball in his hands in college. But this is where the NFL is different. You know, it's not always about that. It doesn't matter. And they get you in spots to where, you know, they get you in spots, they put you in spots that are conducive to what your strengths are. He's a great route runner. He's big. And when he gets a, you know, a, a, some steam rolling ahead of steam, he's not easy to tackle. Um, I, they got some pieces for the future that are, that are, that are like, you go, wow. I mean, with, of course, him and Pitts, mm-hmm. their old line is good. Definitely. You know, and then the rest of the roster, yeah, it just got some spots where, okay, it's good, but this is average, but well-coached, physical, outgunned in a game like that just not enough there and and Mariota you know hey the way he plays his ability to keep the ball in the run game and all that is very good but me trusting him whether it's a turnover Mm -hmm. you know that's one thing he gets he gets a free pass with this a little bit he he is kind of a turnover machine I mean he had a fumble last week going into the end zone you know and I don't always trust him to consistently hit bullseyes throwing the football all right there's he's gonna make some plays I know that he's good but uh, I feel like, like we talked about the Rams, there's always like a, a, a play or two with Mariota where you go, man, I, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he did that. You know, And he had the fumble and the two interceptions yesterday, and that's something about his yeah. game he's got to clean up a little bit. Although I didn't hate the one that really sealed the game, Jalen Ramsey. No, there. that was not. That was not a terrible throw. I mean, he threw it up there. Brian Edwards just got out-jumped by Jalen uh, Ramsey. Right, but he that, had pressure. It was third and 13. Yes, they had a chance. I mean, they're, he almost... I, it was not a, I am with you. It wasn't horrible. That was not. I didn't look at that and go, "Oh man, that's horrible." No, they, I, he, that was one where, hey, you're you're in a kind of a desperate situa- situation. You got to push the envelope a little bit. You hope your guy can make a play, and then the Rams got players, as we know. And Jalen Ramsey, that was a, a huge play for him to seal the game. So the Rams are back. The 49ers are back. Another team in the NFC back. And they were back on Peacock Sunday night football final with Chris Sims and Catherine yeah. Tappen. The Packers defeated the Bears 27-10. to Kind of, you know, they made it look easy, which I think is we had them last year on Sunday night football, and they made it look easy against uh, the Bears. Even though the Bears kept it close, had a chance uh, late in the second half. So I'm going to start on the defensive side here. Yeah, okay. Mix things up because we don't always do things like the other right. podcasts do. Right. You know, they all start with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And, you know, he owns the Bears. We don't do that. No. That's too easy. Fucking own you. Uh, Preston Smith. Right. Let's give his him some credit here on the defensive side. Six quarterback pressures. Had a couple sacks, a hit, three hurries on just 14 pass rush snaps. So it wasn't necessarily out there a whole lot. When they were passing, the Bears didn't pass a whole lot. Um, but the defense for the Packers, we said going into the year, like, all right, this is where maybe they have to butter their bread. Even though you got Aaron Rodgers, this is where you got to butter the bread. What did you think from the Packers' defense in this game against an offense that's not great, but still no. can do some things? Yeah, it still can do some things, but they were dominant in the football game, I think, altogether. I mean, you take away really the opening drive of the game for Bears where they went down and scored the touchdown, uh, they were really non existent 
until, wait, the Packers are driving, it's 24-7, and they're about to like end this game, right? And or maybe it was twenty four to ten at that point. I think it was twenty four to seven. Where then the Packers had the exchange fumble, right? Yep. And Bears get the ball, and then they went down. And I believe that was the drive they went and maybe got down to the one yard line and didn't score on the touchdown. Right? That was very close with with Justin Fields. Um, but to me, the, I think the big thing is is I, I, this is the Packers. I think they're going to have to rely on this defense. I do. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's like they better get ready, get used to being dominant. I don't – first off, I mean, like you said, the, the Bears, they got some things to like, and there's good on both sides of the ball, but I don't think there's enough of you know physical dominant players on either side of the ball to where they're just going to be able to – against the good teams in football that are physical and got good players, where we're just going to line up and play smash mouth with you yeah. and, and stop you that way. Unless it's a monsoon. Well, then you might get them a then chance. Then you might get that, – that's their that's – the Bears <laughs> love the monsoon. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, I, I think that – this is something we're going to continue to see. And they need to be more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. That bothered me in week one. We yeah. know they got talent across the board. Those guys can cover people man-to-man, those two corners. Um, so that was cool to see, certainly. The run game for the Packers was dominant, yes. And Rodgers was efficient. You know, But again, I, I'm going to say what I, you've heard me say. Was, I, I'm not sold on that Packers offense. I'm not. Mm. I like the O-line. It's definitely run game might be the best thing they do this year. You know, but I'm not ready to write home and go, oh, man, hey, hey, mom, the Packers are back. They diced up the Bears, right? I'm not, I'm not ready to go there. And, and also to that fact of, like, I just add this on, Ahmed. I mean, what the fuck with the Bears offense? What the fuck? Like, what? at some point, like, are you trying to win or are you just trying not to lose that bad? To me, I was bothered in the, like, when it was 24-7 going, okay, are we, are we ever going to, like, actually throw a ball down the field? Are we ever going to do anything to go like, hey, let's try to get back in the game, or are we just going to die a slow death and be like, well, we're just outgunned against the Packers? That bothered me. And to throw the ball 11 times, it was really nine times. It was two very late throws. He was 7 of 9 going into like the very last drive of the game. That's that's I, I don't even know what to say. The NFL, this day and age, 7-9, and nine, and never really make any throws, call any plays to stress the defense out or back them off. No real quarterback design runs other than when it's 3rd and 1 and the fucking team's ready for it. Like, hey, they might do it here. It's 3rd and 1. Like, like well, they're just – there was – I don't know. It just it bothered me their offensive approach altogether, Ahmed. Maybe they think they're the Ravens of a couple of years ago, right? Where that was very successful for the Ravens. They didn't have Lamar throw a ton. No. But they still threw but they Well, they ran him a ton, though. And they ran, yeah, they did. And they don't do that here. That's where I just, I don't understand. I go, well, what are we doing here? You know, that, that's that's where, you know, it's a little, and I know they're they're out, you know, manned and don't have a ton of talent that scares you and all that. Okay. But so what? You're not the only team like that. You got to find ways to come up with some creative plays and explosive plays for your football team. So, you know, that that's not sustainable the way they played and and like I said Green Bay is good, but I I'm not I'm not sure how good yet. I'm not. You know, I I'm not. And I'll be interested to go back and watch that film too, you know, with Rodgers and was he pushing the ball and pushing the limit a little bit? No, he was not because uh of all quarterbacks in week 2, intended air yards per pass so as as far as you throw the ball down the field he was last 4.8 yards per pass down the field so he did not push the ball anymore uh but luckily as you mentioned Aaron Jones and company were great Aaron Jones 71 percent of his 
rushes were over the expected yards, according to Next Gen. Yeah. So he got more than was, was there, according to them, and that was the best in, in week number two. So that is your Next Gen stats portion of that a hell of a game recap. And the Packers, even though they got some issues, we're going to say they're back. At least they're in the back well, section. Well, yeah, yeah, they're back. They won the football game. Against the Bears. I, mean, I got I got to see it more. I got to yeah. see more. Because I'm just saying, Sammy, well, you know, I know Sammy had three for 93, and one of them was that 55-yard. Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb aren't going to scare the good defenses in football. Mm-hmm. They're not. And I just want to go, okay, where's it come from? And I, I, and I just don't know. You know, Dalbs, I know, had an awesome screen catch. They got like 20 yards at one point. I think it was like second and 19. That was a big play, whatever. You know, Christian Watson, they got him the ball and some cheap completions here and there. You know, but, but yeah, I don't, you know, the way they play, that's not, to me, sustainable either. I don't think they can go on like a big run in the playoffs. Uh, with the way they look on the offensive side of the football, at least you know, not yet. I will say though, if you're a Packers fan and wanna wanna see Sammy Watkins doing some good things without the ball, that touchdown from Aaron Jones, the eight yard pitch that yeah. made it seventeen to seven. Right. Uh, Sammy Watkins out there blocked that corner for the Bears, Kendall Vildor. Yeah, Vildor and blocked 22. him into like two other Bears, yeah. and that really was the key to that yeah. play because yeah. it was like AJ Dillon was out there and didn't really need to block anyone because Sammy Watkins was destroying the Chicago Bears. Kind of fun. Maybe we can look at that on. On Wednesday, yeah. Well, they, they, hey, those guys are going to have to block Watkins, yeah. Cobb. I think it's, it's going to be. A, I don't think they're going to be able to rely on just the pass game carrying them here this year. That's for sure. So they're going to be needed in that area for sure. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a seventy-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So those are the teams that are back. And now, even though we gave some premature damn okays, this is the official yeah. section okay. of damn okay. Official. Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I'm okay. The legal gambling. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. Damn okay. Damn. And there was one player that had me saying that more than oh, any player bet. of last Sunday, which last was just yesterday. Of yesterday, of last. <laughs> of last night, day. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson. The Detroit Lions beat the Commanders, had that lead. I was very nervous throughout the whole game. I even went to the point where it was 22 nothing. I thought about tweeting something positive about the Lions, but I was like, I know the Lions. Yeah, Why don't would they do, do that? that? No, That'd be don't, dumb. Don't. They're going to blow it. They don't almost did. They got like eight points, seven points there, and then they were able to, to come through. But Aiden Hutchinson in the first half, he had three sacks there, and we got a tweet from our friend in Germany, Der Bubachter. Der Bubachter. We learned how to say it. You think so? You think you said that right? Yeah. It's not der. It's dare. Dare Baobachter, I believe. But Oh, like a Baobachter. Close enough. Uh, he tweeted back, good to see you here, dare, again. He goes, damn okay, the young Lions playmakers, three sacks by Hutchinson, 184 scrimmage yards from German-American wide receiver Amon Russ St. Brown. His mom is German. Uh, awesome group. Ahmed will have a lot of fun with this team this year. Those are two players that I am pretty pumped to, about. For the Detroit Lions, their first win of the year. Yeah, you should be. I mean, I mean, first off, Hutchinson. Yeah, it, it, these are signs we saw in the preseason. I know we hit on it a little bit. You know, he's it. it, it when I watch him, I just I go, I don't. Is this T.J. Watt just a little taller and longer? It's the same looking guy. It's the same style. 
except he just has a little bit more maybe natural size and length. But you know, he's just got a natural instinct of shooting gaps, feeling a playout. You know, he's another guy that has great eyes in the backfield. Even if he's being blocked, he knows where the ball is, and then got the versatility to win on the edge. Third downs, they put him inside sometimes at D-tackle. And, you know, of course, because of his size and strength and length there, he's okay against those guards. But then he wins with great quickness, like we talked about in the pre-draft process. That's that's part of his game. So that's, that's encouraging. Amon Ross St. Brown is their go-to guy. Honestly, I thought the Amon Ross St. Brown end around for 58 yards was maybe the play of the game for the Lions. Because that was the point where I was going, oh, man. They're in trouble. It was 22-15. to 15. Washington had all the momentum. I believe, you know, uh, Detroit had kind of stalled out in a few drives before that on the offensive side of the ball. He made that play, and I went, woo, that took some pressure off them. And then they got back rolling again. Well, it, it's still, they needed that. Because I think if they just kick a field goal at the end of that drive, they're still it's in still danger. Scary, right. But third and 15, Goff gets it out to Swift. Low Makes throw. an unreal play. He's on the ground, gets up, and, and DeAndre Swift runs it in for the 22-yard touchdown there. And I saw after the game, and I think yeah. this is really encouraging for me. Yeah. DeAndre Swift's a leader on that team, too. It, it seems I mean, they're like rallying it. around him. He right. was the one that, I don't know, you can tell me in the locker room when Dan Campbell talked and then he gave his, like, all right, guys, get it together, and then yeah. the players talk. Yeah. It was DeAndre Swift yeah. who was getting them together and being like family on three. And so yeah. I thought that's interesting. That is cool. It is. I mean, he's he, he's definitely one of their blue chip stars on the offensive side of the ball. They need him to be the leader, the guy. He's a playmaker. He's a guy that, yeah, can do whatever the coaches say, but like we saw in that play or some plays last week against Eagles, can do more than what the play draws up. And, you know, players want to follow that in a locker room. So that's cool to see, and we know they're about running the ball and kneecap biting and doing all that. And then playing Hurt yesterday, too. I think that was, you know, he was kind of like a Friday questionable tag, I believe. Yeah. So that that was awesome. But here's the here's the big thing to me. This is the biggest thing to me because I just this is where I hope people can respect me. The star of the game was Jared Goff. Jared Goff was the star of the game. I mean, those are games where I've seen Jared Goff play before. It all of a sudden becomes a shootout, and you've got to start making some throws, and the defense is playing some desperate situations, so they're going for it, and you've got to throw a ball over the middle of the Hawkinson in the tight coverage to get the first down. Or you've got to throw a seam route into pretty tight coverage zone over the right side. And Goff was, like, made game-changing throws. That's something I've always – I know I've been a guy that's questioned him, certainly. But when this game became a shootout, I went, ah. Oh, I, I was kind of like some of the thoughts you were having in your brand. I was kind of, ah, oh, they're going to fuck this up. Wentz is going to win a shootout against Goff. He's going to. And Goff kept firing and played well. I think it's the kind of win that can give their whole organization a little confidence in him. You know, they say, okay, hey, even we're in a tough spot, we could trust this guy to make a few plays and throws. That's the second week in a row he's kind of made some plays with his arms. So that that was cool. And then the last thing I'll say about this game, Ahmed, too, and you've heard me say this now probably for about a month, like Washington needs to come out firing. They have to stop this, like, we're going to be balanced Ron Rivera running football team. You're not going to run on anybody, Washington. You're not good enough up front to run the ball on anybody. They need to – I look at them and go, you need to be like the freaking – like the 2001 Rams. Just open up the field and throw it and let Wentz play that way. Your defense is not that dominant. 
You know, so I'm not sitting there going, well, we, we can play conservative. And you're, you know, I think their way to go is put pressure on people with the weapons they have in that pass game. Logan Thomas is back. Wentz looks comfortable. Gibson's good in the pass game. It's just something I would like to see them kind of transition more to. Yeah, I think Gibson was a former wide receiver. He was too. at and Memphis. So, yeah. yeah, it's that's what Memphis does. Yeah. Gibson, Samuel, McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, who looked good again, exactly caught right. another touchdown. McKissick, Logan Thomas. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Those are their weapons. You know, right and you could rattle off their offensive linemen like that i can tell you that because there's nothing really anything to rattle off there so that's where i'd go you know i i hope they push the limit a little bit with the passing game because we saw this two weeks in a row try to play balance against jacksonville all that oh yeah whoop de doo when it really came down to like okay we got to have it moments their passing game's going to get it done and i think they're going to have to rely on once in those weapons and the lions were able to win the shootout they have scored 35 or more points in three straight games they have not done that since their 52 53 back-to-back championship seasons that's what sucks about the lions like they've never won a super bowl they were good just before the super bowl <laughs> i know it, it does stink you're right i know There's... i'm gonna th- those are basically super bowls yeah. right well, i'm gonna count them yeah no we're not gonna count them sorry super bowl negative three but it's four. like it's like the browns too how bad do you think they feel? They like they basically dominated a decade of football, and like no, everyone's like you guys suck. I know. You know you yeah you dominated the fifties with like Paul you know uh, uh, Paul Brown and and Otto Graham and <laughs> and uh, and and of course um, damn the running Jim back Brown. Jim Brown. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just winning championships every year, but they're, they're relegated to like the shittiest team in the NFL. Exactly. Or at least that's how people think we'll of get them. Get together with the Browns fans and tell you that we're we're champions Commi- as well. Commiserate together. Uh, Micah Parsons could be a champion uh, one day for the Dallas Cowboys if maybe if he gets on a different team. Damn okay to Micah Parsons uh, and the Cowboys who beat the Bengals. Of all the results, yeah, and the comebacks were shocking just because of how they happened. But like final result, I, I think I'm with you. This is the most surprising final result of the week. Goal line stand two gives a damn okay to Micah Parsons. Single-handedly wrecked the game. A couple sacks, five quarterback hits. The Bengals disappointing. Were you as disappointed with the Bengals as any team this week? Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's like first week we would chalk it up to, hey, it's the Steelers. Burrow didn't play much. They made some mistakes, but they still should have won the game. This one was like, no, they, they, they got beat. Plain and simple. I mean, period. All right. So first off, Michael Parsons is is truly incredible. I mean, he's incredible. He's definitely one of the best defensive players in all of football. And like to the point to where, you know, again, it's just I'm amazed still by the pass rush ability. I really am. Uh, it's, it's to the point where it's like, I don't know. Does he need to just stand up over there and play there the whole game instead of just like we think it's a passing situation? Because, I mean, the amount of pass rushes he gets compared to the other top pass rushers in football, but yet his sacks are still right up there with them. I mean, he's got to have, like, per rush, you know, per pass rush attempt, sack rate must be up there with anybody in football. I don't know if that's even capable of being look, looking up over, you know, if they keep that stat. Pete's on it. But, yeah. But that, that to me, is what I'm amazed by. But within all that, hey, Cooper Rush, good job by him. Certainly didn't seem like he was flustered or intimidated by the situation by any stretch of the imagination. He seems very even-keeled, almost to the point where you're like, do you realize you're playing in an NFL game? Yeah, like, you but, haven't smiled or reacted at all. Right. Jason Garrett, he said it in our in our, in our, like, our meeting in the afternoon, right? He's just like, 
guy's blood pressure it never goes up. He said something like that, or he's yeah. always low blood pressure with him. He's not human. He's he a, he so, might be a robot. So that that you know that told you because Jason Garrett they they signed him as a free agent, you know, coming out of college to where he knows about him, and I think that's why he stuck around. They realize he's smart. He can execute the offense. Yeah, it's not great talent, but. You know, they they played a style of football that I think fits them. And then the team raised their level of play knowing, wait, we got a backup quarterback here and we got to play better than we did in week one. But still the story to me is the Bengals and how disappointing they are. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, is because it wasn't like Dallas played a great game or like an error-free game. They scored early. Offense didn't look that great for the, for the rest of the game. And they gave up the ball. So Dallas, I'm looking here, second half when they were up 17-3, to Jumped offside on a punt. Give Cincinnati a first down. They get a field goal out of that. Uh, they get a field goal the next drive. And then the drive after that, Dalton Schultz fumbles. Result, Bengals punt. Yeah. So it was like the Cowboys were trying to give it away, away the game at certain points, and and Cincinnati couldn't do it. They, they made it close late. They did drive there late. Jamar Chase made one of the best catches of the – of the week on that fourth down slant oh, where this guy was all over all his arms. Arm, digs what with, strength. Oh, yeah. man, that's great crazy coverage, that he right? held on to right. that. It is. And they end up scoring the touchdown. But um, it took 19 plays. It's just a grind for them right now. And, and Burrow is still running for his life. Running Chris. for his life. It's so disappointing. I mean, they, they, they got killed up front again. They got killed. For, I, you know, six sacks in the game, it could have been 12. I mean, if it's not for Joe Burrow and his ability to make people miss and throw a few away and scramble a few times, I mean... He, it's a sitting duck. It's a, it's embarrassing. It is. And same thing I'll say that la, as last week. And you heard me say this a little last year. The offense doesn't do as much. And now people have caught on to kind of like, oh, wait, when they've got two receivers to the left and then a tight end and a receiver to the right, they like these group of plays. So they're on to that. So the talent just can't overcome it. They can't. You can't be so stagnant and predictable. That's where, one, the O-line's not not good, which is really unbelievable. I mean, it really is. I mean, to make the, the adjustments they made, and really I go, I don't know if it's worse than last year right now than it was. Hmm. And then, you know, I just look at the offense and go, it's the same thing I said last week. There's just, it's too player reliant. I never go, oh, they're attacking this, or ooh, I like what they're doing today, or the pre-snap stuff like we talked about with the Dolphins. I mean, watch a Dolphins game. Watch a 49ers game. Watch Andy Reid. You know, watch those teams where they all they got speed and weapons, but you got to give them an advantage. You can't just go, well, Chase lines up here, Higgins lines up here, and Boyd lines up here. Set hut. Like it's like it's like the the vice versa conversation we have about the Eagles defense where we go it's so simple a quarterback gets up and goes this is great well the same for the defense and playing the Bengals they just go oh 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 it's it's trips right oh okay we know the play they're not going to shift or motion or do anything so we don't have to worry about our checks we can disguise the blitz or crazy look that Dan Quinn's dialed up for us and Dan Quinn does a great job you know I'm I'm impressed it's year two of keeping you on edge a little bit. You don't know what exactly he's going to do on a play-by-play basis. But, yeah, the Bengals, uh, very discouraging there um, with that performance. And, man, 0-2, and it, it hasn't looked good. Yesterday was more concerning totally. than the Steelers game. Totally. Right. Uh, Jared Cowboys on Twitter thinks you might need to change something. Yeah. He goes, you better change that photo of Burrow on your Twitter account, put in Cooper Rush there, 
into your headline. Here you well, are. Well, I don't want to jinx Cooper hand- Rush. <laughs> <laughs> hand-to-hand, if you're uh, just listening, he's hand-to-hand when you interviewed Joe Burrow because you wanted to compare hand size. Right. Right? Right. You're like, are my hands bigger than yours? Yeah. It's like a power play. You were trying to like, it was like I'm a I'm better play. than you at something. <laughs> um, and so ever since that picture was taken, Joe yeah. Burrow has never won an never NFL game. He's been getting sacked and hit and interceptions go lower everywhere. Uh, but just, I did do it to Josh Allen, too, and he's on fire. So you can kiss my ass, One game in. One game in. Game one in. game we'll in. We'll see what happens tonight. You're right. The other thing I want to say about this game that just is interesting to me yeah. is like, uh, is Richard Sherman going to? Did you hear? Like my dad, my dad got attacked by Richard Sherman on social media last what? last week because my dad kind of made a point of the Cowboys are going to be okay. They'll manage the game differently with Cooper Rush, right? Sherman went after him up. on Twitter. He kind of went after him on Twitter. What did he say? Well, you know, along with Pat McAfee. Oh my gosh, yeah. Pat McAfee did too. He gave the eye emoji like he was looking in on it. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, but nothing. They just were like they thought it was crazy. My dad's thought and all that stuff. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I sent him like a little tweet out last night, just like with the eye emoji back at McAfee. Like, are you going to apologize or say anything or just laugh it off like we're bros and funny and ha ha ha? What did he say? No response. I haven't seen anything yet. Nothing. But it's he early. Won't, he won't respond. Of course, I not. bet he won't respond. No. Uh, speaking of sacks, there's so a lot of sacks in this game for Joe Burrow. Uh, that was a transition I had planned like five minutes ago. Made more sense when we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> before I got into that last few yeah. sentences yeah. there. Alex. Yeah. Isn't that what I did last time? I just yeah. said Alex before every uh, transition. Uh, damn okay to Josh Allen. Uh, the Jaguars. Man, the Jaguars. Whoa. That, that, you got to feel pretty good if you're a Jaguars fan. Defeat the Colts 24 to nothing. Uh, Josh Allen, two sacks, forced a fumble as the Jaguars completely dominated the Colts and was almost as surprising. We said that the Cowboys win was surprising. I think it was surprising in the fact that not only the, did the Jaguars win, they dominated that game. Like, never a doubt, right? I mean, never a doubt. The Colts were kind of driving to start the game a little early on, and then Matt Ryan throws a horrible interception uh, to, I believe that was Rayshon Jenkins, right? So that, that just, from that point on, it was just an onslaught. It was total dominance on both sides of the ball. It really was. And, you know, the Jaguars kept the ball after that interception. And, and Doug Peterson, you know, to his credit, he's gutsy. They went for it on a fourth down, converted that. So mm-hmm. they get the touchdown early and really never looked back. I mean, it just, Trevor seemed like, he was in control throughout the day. I don't really remember seeing him miss a throw. Like, you know, he missed a throw or two in the in week one against Washington. Not in this one. They ran the ball well. But the story, I think, is like what you said. The defense. The defense was dominant. You know, Jonathan Taylor couldn't get really going. Matt Ryan in the past game had no chance at all. He was under pressure. The Jaguars won the battle up front on both sides of the ball. Colts O-line is probably one of the more disappointing things in, you know, the game right now to me as far as... Just not as dominant, I guess, as I expect. I don't want to say most disappointing, but the Colts are one of those teams that's just kind of disappointing in general. Well, they didn't have and Pittman. To be 0-2 is, 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 is trouble. They didn't have Pittman I in know, this game. huge. And, right. so that, and they didn't have Alec Pierce, right. who was a guy that's hoping to step in as number two, maybe number three receiver. I don't think they had Shaquille Leonard on defense. No, they did not have Shaquille Leonard either. That's significant. You, know, you don't want to you know, make it all about the injuries, but yeah. those are three really key pieces. Had a hard time getting the running game going, and, and it's just crazy now. It's like eight straight games that the Jaguars have won against the Colts in Jacksonville. It is. It's just a – that's insane. I picked the Jags again. I did. I just well – it's just one of those things, you know, I, I don't know. And then the Jags, as you've we've talked about, the Jags are talented, you know. 
their draft picks, their free agent signings, they're showing that they're 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 pretty damn good. I was going to say that because it's like the way that that happened for the Lions that Aiden Hutchinson fell to them at number two. I was like, oh my, that was perfect, perfect yeah. guy for them. Former right. Wolverine seems right. to love being there. I was like, but I don't know that that means that the Jaguars messed up with Trayvon Walker. No, he, first two games he's looked really good. He is. He's really good. He's a physical, you know, presence. Is he maybe as instinctive as Aiden Hutchinson? No, maybe not, but. I mean, he's he's the real deal. And then you couple that with Josh Allen. And then Devin Lloyd, their first-round linebacker from Utah, gets an interception down there. He's long and athletic-looking. I mean, my man Andre Sisco, my number one safety from two years in the go in the draft, he's starting for them, you know, gets an interception. Um, th- th- that, to me, could be a jump start for the Jaguars. Like, okay, hey, we got to win. You know, again, like we've talked about, they're a young team that's not battle-tested, that hasn't done the little things to win football games like that. They did those yesterday. And Doug Peterson's a guy, as you see, like, if you watch the post-game reaction with him in the locker room, players love Doug Peterson. You know, he, he knows how to communicate. He is an ex-player. He has confidence in them. He's always like, you, should I go for it? Okay, let's go for it. I believe in you guys. And the team rallies around that. So that's what's that's cool to see what we got going on there in Jacksonville right now. Colts, though, I, I, you know, even it's, it's concerning. It is concerning. It's just they don't have a look that I go. And they didn't even have it in the preseason. This is why I just was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Are they going to turn it on in the regular season? And maybe I'm wrong here. Um but the offense struggled throughout the preseason, and nothing looks all that easy for them right now. And then what I worry about a little bit with Matt Ryan, and like I've, I've seen here again yesterday, is it's almost like the Christian, I mean, the Philip Rivers year. I do worry about his lack of arm strength. Mm. The, to me, there does look like a drop off this year in his arm strength. The ball hangs in the air for a while. And I felt like Jacksonville was like, we don't have to worry about anything deep down the field. Coupled with the injuries you talked about and then his ability to push the ball down the field, I felt like they were allowed to play aggressive and downhill for the most part of the football game. What old, aging quarterback with declining arm strength are they going to have leading their team next year? That's the real question for the Colts, right? right? Ben (laughs) Roethlisberger, out of retirement, leading the Colts here. Uh, Not a great start for the Colts. Butt whooping. It has been a good start for the Buccaneers, even though not everything's clicking on all cylinders. They are 2-0. Maybe that's the best 2-0 you can have early in the season. Are damn okay as we stay on the pass rushers. Shaq Barrett against the Saints here. Two sacks, three quarterback hits, had a forced fumble. The Bucs defense was the best unit of the day because the New Orleans Saints could do nothing and really outside of one quarter this entire year the Saints haven't done done a whole lot but uh but the Bucks had a whole lot to do with that what do you think of the Bucks defense yeah they're 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 phenomenal I mean I I got worried a little bit at one point when Akeem Hicks was out and I was like oh man Bucks are falling apart here they got people falling getting hurt by you know everywhere um but you know it was an ugly football game. It was ugly. Where you're sitting there, and it wasn't like fun to watch. And, of course, you're keeping your eye on it, but you're going like, really, are we really midway through the third quarter and it's three to nothing, Saints? Yeah. Like, I mean, there was there was nothing to latch on to, jump on to, whatever. But, no, it, there was. Ryan Suckup made a 47-yard field goal to make it 3-3. Right. And then they're like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Now, <laughs> now it's time. It's and, funny, though. Right after that, New Orleans started to run the ball. And this on, was that the drive where they go down and then and Ingram fumbled, exactly. right? Exactly. I think that was a hidden turning point in this game. I, I would agree. I would say that fumble right there because they had they were they opened up some holes and you're going, oh wow, they're they're gashing them a little bit here, and then and then the fight happened. Yes. Right. So the fight. So 
so let me just try to get this straight. The fumble happened, right? And then is that where Tampa went down the field and scored? So they, Tampa, no, I don't think they had they scored didn't, they didn't yet. They didn't score there so yet, they had right? the ball. Right. Um, they punted back to New Orleans. I got to look at it again. So I think, so Brady was still on the field, but that might have been a turnover on, not a turnover end up, but that was like the third down yeah, play. Yeah, so wait, so the, the fumble after Ingram, Ingram fumbles and we're going, okay, here they go. Yeah, then it was the ensuing drive was the fight, but the Bucks hadn't didn't score on that drive. No, they 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 didn't. Are you sure they didn't? No, they did not. But they kept the ball for an extended period of time. Yeah, too many men on the field in a punt, which was an issue. They gave them a first down, which I couldn't believe. Yeah, but then yes, the Saints get off the field, and yeah, secretly another I think turning point. If we're going to add on to the Engram fumble, is the fight. The fight. I don't know what it did, but. It flustered the Saints or whatever. Brady got mad at the ref and was yelling at the ref like he wanted pass interference, I think. Yeah. Lattimore probably told him to shut up or fuck off or whatever. And I think Lattimore was also talking to Bruce Arians, who was down on the sideline. Right. Well, game, that, it's a weird, that's a weird look altogether, that, yeah. in my opinion. I, I, little, I don't quite get that That was one. a little strange. But yeah, the Greg coach is hovering over the sideline all the time. Greg Olson goes on the broadcast. He goes, hey, uh, Mike Evans just punched a guy, and now the benches have cleared. Yeah. And so that's how I found out something was going on here. Lattimore got ejected. You've made the point on the Peacock show. He shouldn't have gotten ejected. I agree. Mike I, Evans was crazy and, and pushed him down. And we do have some breaking news on that. Yeah. Suspended. Mike Evans suspended one game. No other player in the fight has been suspended. The Bucks host the Packers this week. So yeah. they will do it without Mike Evans. Yeah, that's big. But both were ejected in the game. Right. I did not Evans. think Lattimore should have been ejected. I agree I with did you. not. First off, he didn't do anything. He told Tom Brady to shut up. That's perfectly within the legal limits. Tom Brady came back and said way more to him after that. Then Leonard Fournette pushes him in the face, right? Yeah. Mike Evans has nothing to do with the fight at all. Then Lattimore pushes him back, right? And then all of a sudden Evans comes out of nowhere and just crushes Lattimore. So, you know, to me, yes, that's one where I want to go with the NFL. Like, wait, Lattimore's allowed to push Leonard Fournette back once he gets socked in the face by Leonard Fournette. And that's where I wish the NFL wouldn't do stuff like that. Or just, no, no, Evans was egregiously wrong. Lattimore did not start this, and nor did he finish it. Evans he didn't start the physical it, so part of it. He didn't yeah. start the physical part of it. I agree. No. And that, that, that was weird. But after that, gosh, you know. They get no points there. The Saints get the ball. Jameis throws that big post down the middle. And my man, 35, uh, Jamel Dean. I mean, that was a great interception, I thought. You know, in the end zone, it was a great catch by him altogether. And I think that kick started then the next drive for the touchdown for Brady and company. Yeah. They hung in there. Bad, the, some bad calls on the Saints I for penalties. Just, I was just going to say that. Ten minutes to go in the game. Yes. Bradley Roby was called for that unnecessary roughness. Like, hit on get Cameron the fuck Bray, out of here, where, referees, with that. Cameron Brates bracing for contact, putting his head down, and Bradley Roby did. He did make contact with a head. But it's like Brates also bringing his head down. He was just putting his head in front of the ball carrier. It wasn't trying to strike the guy with the head. Yeah, when there's big helmets on heads, they sometimes touch. And we could sit there and argue, and I could go, well, Brate put his head down first again. You know, and Mike Pereira got on, and he was like, I wouldn't have called this either. This is not a good call. Would have been fourth and one. Right. It ended with... Beautiful throw. I mean, Brady makes some of the some of those plays like just the the way he stands in the pocket, his throwing well, motion, so looks graceful so and perfect. perfect. Right? I know. Rashad Perryman, twenty eight yard touchdown, and the way that the Saints were playing offensively. I mean, that was that, that was, was pretty it. much all they wrote. Right? Yeah. I mean, he did that. That was a great play by him too, and one just you know being patient in the pocket, but then realizing 
the defender, P.J. Williams, down the field, had his back turned, and he just went, wait, I'm going to just throw this ball kind of around P.J. Williams' head, and he can't see it, and my guy will grab it, and we'll go from there. And you're right, that kind of pretty much, you know, ended the game right there because then what was the next job? I mean, another interception by Jameis Winston, I pick believe. Six. Right? Was that, it was, I think it was a, there was something else. I think it was another pick that gave him the field goal. And then a pick six on the next drive. Yeah, that's drive. right. Yep, right? you're right. Yep, pick uh, field goal made it 13-3. And then, yep, the pick six with Mike Edwards going the other way. So, yeah, not not great for the Saints. They got some things to worry about the Buccaneers. They do too, but they're 2-0. and So that, that makes it a whole, lot, a whole lot easier. We don't normally do this, but we're going to make an exception. Are we? We're, we're going to talk about the Thursday game. But I'm going to set we a timer, a minute and a half. Okay. Uh, because it was a long time ago, but it was so significant. If you remember... Chiefs beat the Chargers 27-24. They had this guy Al Michaels on Amazon. He sounded pretty good. I think he's going to have a pretty good career. Yeah. Uh, that broadcast sounded good. Uh, yeah, Chiefs won, but the, the real story was the Chargers were down there. Justin Herbert about to go in. Gerald Everett was tired, gassed, asking for help, and then doesn't run his route or whatever happens there. Pick six, going the other way. Jalen Watson. And um, before that, there were obviously some magic plays from both quarterbacks, but really, Mahomes. What was your minute headline on the Thursday game from well, last week? Uh- the the minute headline was I mean the the two touchdown passes by Mahomes were magical yes I mean they were insane you know first off the sidearm between two people just flick of the wrist throw a perfect spiral while doing it even though it looked like it was like a shovel pass but it still was a spiral I mean that's where I've never seen anybody be as magical with the football as Mahomes and then the other play the the post down the middle um, I believe that was to uh, Watson right mm-hmm. where you know my big thing was I, I just was shocked that they gave him the opportunity. You know, they were stopping the big play all night long. Safeties were deep. Safeties were deep. And all of a sudden, they decided to pressure and go, Mahomes is just waiting for that. He was like, what? My body's cockeyed and I got feet off the ground? I'm throwing it no matter what. It hasn't been open in all game. And on the money. That was amazing. I will say, though, altogether, the, Ch- the Chargers look like the better football team. I thought the Chargers... There was moments in the game where I went, whoa, this is concerning for the Chiefs. They couldn't really do anything offensively. And... You know, I know the the there was a few injuries on the Chiefs de- defense, but the the Chargers were just picking them apart. You know, so I there was like two or three parts of the game where I went, "Whoa, the, the Chiefs look like they're in real big trouble." Then we got to a point in the game where I believe it was 10-7 and I thought, "Oh my gosh, we might start to get in a shootout here." The Chiefs got the ball back and I'm going, "Uh-oh, they're going to go down the field here and do something." And they got stopped on a fourth and or third and one and had to punt it out and and then I felt like, you know, again, okay, here goes the Chargers. They kind of took back control of the football game. But the Chiefs, just their ability to make plays in crucial moments is very special that way. And, you know, that's where they're dangerous. But I think as a team altogether, I was more impressed with the way the Chargers looked. I think that was more than a minute. As a man who's had a serious injury on the football field, what would you think uh, of them playing Justin Herbert at well, the end? Well, I, you know, it's, you're not going to take a grown man out of the game. I, you know, my mind always goes like my wife sitting there watching me. They're all, you know, every, you know, is there a spleen? I'm getting text messages. You think his spleen's hurt? You think his spleen's hurt? You know, either way, he was uncomfortable in that midsection just like I was. And it just, it hurts to spread your body. It hurts to run or do anything, you know, but he wasn't concerned. And I mean, just was that, not, you know, after running where he's going to get the first down, and he just throws it away because he's in so much pain. You're like, oh my gosh, you could have just ran for the first down. But then makes the most damnedest, unbelievable <laughs> throw on fourth down. I know. You know, for them to, to set up the score there late. That was unbelievable. He is amazing. He really is. 
Their offense has more answers than the Chiefs. The Chiefs' offense bothered me once again in that football game. It's too much of just, this is a cool play, and we got good players, and we think it'll work. There's just not enough rhyme or reason, in my opinion. And that was, that's what bothers me about them a little bit. Mm. And when they play a team that's got good pass rushers, doesn't have to blitz, and a guy like Brandon Staley, who obviously has a little feel for their offense and didn't go for it on fourth down and manage game, the game the right way, you know, they're going to be a handful. So that made me like, Honestly, the Chargers lost, but it made me a real believer in the yeah. Chargers. If Justin Herbert can come back, I don't yeah. know. It seems like it might be kind of quick. You seem to be in a lot of pain. It's going to be annoying. It's, yeah. it's it's not going anywhere. I bet you he continues to play, and he's going to be bothered by it for the next six, seven weeks. All right. We don't normally do that, but we made an exception. We have to. We had to. We, we had, had to. to. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Now you know what we have to do? Because we want to. Give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. Final three games where you're running a newspaper now. Newspaper business not doing great, no. so these headlines need to be good. Yeah, I you know. you got a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, I know. Our first game, Giants defeat the Panthers 19-6, to and your G-men have won again. They're 2-0. and Yeah, baby. What's the headline? When you gano, you gano. <laughs> He's a weapon, man. He is. I mean, I think you take, like, you know, the kid in Pittsburgh, Justin Tucker, and then after that, I think Graham Gano is in the conversation for best field goal kicker in the game. I mean, he really is. And it's just another one of those guys where if you just get to the 40-yard line, you go, well, our guy can make it. It's It really it can work. Um, I just love the way, you know, I think the Giants are playing the appropriate way for their football team. I think that's the big thing. Dayball realizes the offensive line is good but not great. You know, they're not calling long developing plays down the field just to go, wait, we got to create a play. He's doing it with like, hey, let's just be smart, get the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands, also getting him used to the offense. And we know he does have a problem sometimes of holding the ball too long in the pocket and gets strip sack fumbled. So they're taking that away from him to a degree. You know, they're pretty patient with the run game. And you see here for the second week in a row, like the defense doesn't give up a lot of big plays. They make you work for it. You know, and they're they're like making a handful of plays here and there. They're kind of just hanging around and then waiting to the end of the game, and they're being clutch. That's kind of how I sum it up with the New York Giants right now. But are able to do that because of Wink Martindale and Brian Dayball's effect, and them managing the game the right way on both sides of the football. That allows them to kind of hang around, and then they just they seem to make more plays down the stretch, just like they did in Week One against the Titans. James Lennox nineteen wants you to give some. Uh some damn okay love to Xavier McKinney. He goes, we all know the Giants' linebacker core is a mess. So the team's best uh, safety stepped up, played linebacker most of the game, basically eliminating Christian McCaffrey from the passing game. Dude is the perfect fit for the Wink defense. Do you agree? I do. He is the perfect fit. And, and you know, I can't sit here and tell you that, you know, I saw it all, but I certainly saw McKinney down by the line of scrimmage and, you know, affecting the game a lot. 
uh, hey, he's he's a he's one of those guys we talk about that hybrid nickel safety can kind of do everything on the football field. He's super aggressive, super good tackler for his size. So yes, he is. He's a he's a wink, you know, jack of all trades type of football player for for their defense. Um, but yeah, I think you know, all in all, it wasn't pretty, but it's like. Hey, they pull off the upset in Tennessee, who I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're better than. But here was a game that was 50-50. And the big thing is I just look at it and go, they're not making the mistakes. In games like this the last few years, we'd go, oh, the Giants made two or three stupid fucking plays and they lost. Almost did. End they of the tried. first half, Daniel Jones was very lucky on a pass outside. But yeah. Carolina didn't make that play. No, Carolina so. didn't make that play, let alone put themselves in a 6-0 hold with fumbling the opening kickoff. And then the very next drive, Robbie Anderson fumbles, catching like a screen pass. And that got the Giants a little confidence, hanging around. And then they don't do anything, but their defense kind of keeps them in there. And then they finally go on an ugly drive to make it 13-all. And, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. And no- nothing was pretty or sexy. But again, I didn't think they're playing the proper way for what they are. And they're showing a toughness and grit. And uh, I'm going to the game this week. Cowboys-Giants Monday night. Monday I can't, night. I can't wait. Where are you sitting again? I, uh, with I the people? I don't know officially quite yet. Because you talked a big game last time you go. I sit with the people. I'm definitely going to sit with the people. Oh. No, you don't have to worry about that. I believe I'm going to be in the mezzanine level, the second level. Okay. Right? You'll and dip yeah. out to go to the VIP suites every once in a while to say hi to the no, people you need I to don't say hi know. to. I'm no, I'm a man in the crowd. I want to be in the middle of things. We're going to go wait in line at the concession stands and everything and be like normal people. Right? <laughs> right? Okay? Yeah. We're not. I'm not. I'm, I never liked watching a football game within a box. And I don't want to do that. And it's not the right experience I want for my kids in their first that's game true. at Giants Stadium. First so, game. This will be their first game. First game wow. at Giants Stadium for the Sims family. Oh, here. that's so cool. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Take pictures, take video, and I we'll will. show it on the pod. All right, cool. Uh, Enrod Pod host wants to know what is more surprising, Bengals 0 2 or Giants 2 0? <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, uh, Bengals, Bengals 0 2, right? Because Steelers, you figure, all right, they're better than them. Yeah. And Cowboys without Dak. Yeah, like they're better I than think them. so, too. You're right. I mean, I'm shocked that the Giants are 2-0, too. But, yeah, I think that's that's the big thing. And, you know, the, the other thing, um, just with Carolina, and I know it's Baker Mayfield, and he hasn't been there that long, but, you know, this I, I'm, my eyes are on Ben McAdoo. I'm just going to say that flat out. They are. It's it's just two games in a row where I feel like not many open people. Defense seems to be all over the passing game. You know, a guy like Wink Martindale, smart, knows how to break down a system, seemed to be all over their stuff for the better part of the day. You know, I, I'll, that's one I, I need to look at too. Maybe Baker missed some plays. I don't know. But they certainly haven't been very impressive in the first two weeks on that, on that side of the ball. Neither offense was very impressive between the Patriots and the Steelers, but the Patriots got the win 17-14. Your headline for that game is? Oh, well, sorry. I'm looking oh, at something. Okay. The full Nelson. Oh. Nelson, Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar. Play of the game, right? Play that the right game. there. And, you know, this is a game of like, hey, defense and manage the game and who can run the ball just good enough to give their offense the advantage. Which, from your tone, I can tell you really enjoy those games. Well, you know? I, I, I actually don't <laughs> mind these games. I, I do like, I'm not mad at these kind of games. Yeah. It, football, the coaches got to really manage it the right way. That's true. Yeah. Right? I, don't, I don't mind watching these type of football games. But I did come into the game going, if this is the kind of game it's going to be, the Patriots are going to win it. This is made for Patriots football. This is what they are right now. Ran the ball well. Ran the ball well. 
Mac takes care of the football for the most part, makes a play here and there. Wait, we'll wait for one team to make a mistake. We know the Patriots are not usually the team that does that. I know they did in week one. They made a few, but they're usually not the team that did that, do that. And, and that's kind of what happened. I felt like, hey, Aguilar making the big play. Um, and then um, Gunnar Olszewski. Oh, and Olszewski dropping the punt. Right. I was a like, spy. I know there's another play. A Bill Belichick mole. He's like, we're going to cut you, but you're going to be on a team. You're going to be on a team. You're going to muff a punt. It'll help us go up 17 6. Yes. Yeah. And that's what happened. The Aguilar play, that yeah. was really the one big explosive offensive play in the game. I looked at the dots on that play, the next gen dots. Yeah. It was end of the first half. Right. 25 seconds yeah. left, right? Just runs a go route, right? Yeah, there were five receivers out on that route. Like, none of them had any separation. Like, they were blanketed. And yeah. even Aguilar was, he was blanketed. blanketed. He had an no individual doubt. effort. And I was like, man, that's the that's the Patriots' offense. Yeah. Grind out some runs. No receivers are open. Try to just get enough points to win a game. That, I mean, that's, I think, the style of football they're going to play. You know, again, I, as we discussed last week, right, on Wednesday and everything, I don't know if there's enough creativity to think that they're going to be getting, you know, like the old days. They're just going to be getting people open 10 and 15 yards down the field whenever they want. Doesn't seem that way. So they're going to have to play it like run the ball, Mac play smart, defense play really good, and they're capable of that. We know that. So, but I think this could be a formula we see a lot from the Patriots this year. You know, twenty to seventeen wins, seventeen to fourteen loss. You know, twenty-one to seventeen win. I think this is the range they're going to live in because I don't think they're capable of being in shootouts or doing stuff like that. This is how good our crew is. We've got the dots from that play that wow. I just talked about. Nobody Pete, gets is this, dots and Kristen and Gabby like back there today too. Is that okay? And, and Morgan's out here on the well. And I mean, set, this is so. like let's rewind it again. This is my point though. Like, like here's what I'm, I'm talking about with just their offense in general. You know, not a lot there to go. Oh wow, they're really stressing them out. I don't know, maybe he had uh, Hunter Henry over the middle, 85. But either way, he just played a matchup. He saw the safety, 34, rotate to the middle of the field. He went, man, Nelson Aguilar, he's got some speed that we've seen this year. He can maybe beat somebody deep, and he gave him a chance. And it was just a phenomenal catch going up over Akilah Witherspoon to catch this one. It was. Remember that time that one dude crushed him for not catching, you know, Balls. He's like I was catching babies, catching babies out of the building yeah. in Philly, and, and right. catching them on like Aguilar. Yeah, well, Aguilar's been shoving it up that guy's ass for yep. a while. He here. could catch a baby. Yeah, I think, he can catch I think a baby Nelson and a lot of other a, ones too. Catch a baby right yeah. now. Final game of the day. Uh, the Broncos or Texans might not even want us to talk about this game. Both fan bases were probably very upset at many times during this game. Broncos did get the win though, sixteen to nine. And your headline is um, my headline is. Russ against the clock. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, they, 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 it was like a battle. It was a battle for the Denver Broncos to get the playoff on time. Well, it, we saw it week one. And then the Denver fans, which, you know, you, you've heard me say before, and I was telling Florio last week, they, I mean, the Broncos are so the king of that city that, like, they literally could have the Rockies and the Nuggets in the World Series and the NBA Finals at the same time, and they'd be like, we're starting the show with the Broncos. They're in spring practice. Like, and I know, you, you know. Yeah. So that yeah. that's the way they are that way. Um, and the fans, like, literally, I mean, that, that when we turned on the telecast, at first we were like, what are they doing? And they were counting down the clock <laughs> so they would get the plays off in time, I know. which was, you know, like trolling their own team, but kind of funny. Yeah. Well, they probably thought they needed the help because they did. They did need the help. I mean, the the offensive problems for the, a bunch, for the right. Broncos, it's crazy. They have 
They have failed to score a touchdown in their last five goal-to-go drives. It ties the longest streak uh, to start a season in the last 30 years. And so it's like they're not getting plays off. They got got issues there. They got got issues, and it's a new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. And you got to kind of get it figured out, though, because first impressions, that's real. Right? No First impressions are real. No doubt about it. And unless you now rip off eight straight wins in a row, people are going to think maybe this is overwhelming to you. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, the way the end, that's what happens when you, you mess up an end of game situation in week one. Now you're under the microscope, everybody's watching. And yeah, now they haven't scored five times in the red zone, even though it's like, well, no, they did some good things in the red zone the other night. They just had the running back fumble on the one inch line it's twice, true. right? They're going to yeah. walk in, they're going to, they're, or you, we think they're going to score either way. Um, they've done good things. Yesterday, here was my big thing just watching the game. And again, and there's five games going on, but I kept going really early on. I just kept going, man, they're, they're just going to try to drop back and throw it, and they're just going to keep throwing it, even though they're not doing anything, and it doesn't seem like any plays are happening. And the game shifted, to, in my opinion, just watching it third quarter, where they finally just said, wait, wait most likely the Texans were playing a lot of too deep coverage. That's what Lovey Smith, and they started running the football. That, to me, is where the game changed that way. And then the fact that, you know, again, the the Texans, I, I, they just they lack explosive playmakers on that side of the ball. Davis Mills isn't going to make a lot of big plays with his arm. Brandon Cooks is the only guy they really got that scares you. And if a defense kind of takes him away, you just go, well, all right, so who else is going to do anything against us today? And that's the issue they run into. I felt like early in the game – they were trying to, though, the Broncos were trying to make it, like, we're going to make it look good for Russell and the, the team. And I want to go, yeah, but it's, you know, you're down six to three. And I know you want to make the passing game work and make everybody good, but let's just win the game and then go from there. And, you know, fortunately for the Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett, they made that adjustment and really started gashing them in the run game. Pete asked a, a good question. Should Nathaniel Hackett give up his play calling duties? Does no. he have too much on his plate right now? I don't. I don't think so. I don't. No, I'm not ready to say that. You know, the, the end of the game situation last week was just you know plain and simple stupid. I don't know what they were doing. The process was wrong. Pre-game thought of it was wrong. The whole process was wrong. But as we said last week too, the the thing that stunk about that is their offense looked good in that game. They made a lot of big plays in that game. They moved the ball up and down the Seattle field in the second half of the game. So, no, he should not. He was brought there to call the plays. What you want there, you know, is I don't know who he's got helping him out to be who, – who do I lean on for game management situations? Or if I am by the sidelines for a second talking about the quarterback with the offensive line and a blitz we can't pick up and we're drawing something, who can kind of – who can I trust – to be that guy. And there's a lot of young guys on that coaching staff too. So that's where I don't, I don't know where that, that goes there. But no, the reason he is there is to call plays. So we don't want to give yeah. up on that. Um, it just wasn't a, wasn't a pretty day, but either way, they got the win. You have to be really good uh, at clock management and whether to challenge or not or whether to go for it or not because those are the things that fans are actually really good at. Yes, that's you're right. all we're focused on. Right? Right. We don't have to worry about talking to the OC, the DC, talking to the players, personnel groupings, who's hurt, who's not. And that's all stuff the head coach has to think about. Yep. So we're just focused on all that clock management, game management type stuff. And so fans are actually pretty good at that. And so if you're not, that stands yeah, out to glaring. fans. Yeah, you become a social media a uh, star in a hurry when you mess up end of game situations, or, or you're on the front page of the headlines and the newspaper. That was give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. Great segment, right there. Great segment. I would pack it in, yeah. but no, 
We got two more got games more to, to preview real quick. Yeah. Uh, betting Monday Night Football, our Bet MGM. Hello, welcome at Bet MGM. We're kind of getting around here. We are getting around. Aren't we getting around yeah, here? We are. Welcome to the podcast, Bet MGM. So we got the odds for two games on this Monday. Titans at Bills, that's the early game. And then Vikings at Eagles is the Joe Buck-Troy Aikman game. Uh, first one, Titans-Bills. The Bet MGM odds have Buffalo as a 10-point favorite. The over-under is 47.5. Chris, on Thursday's pod, you said Buffalo would win, but not cover. Win by nine. Right. Do you stand by Thursday, Chris? I do. I do. I, I, you know, I'm never one. I pick the scores and the winner of my game without ever looking at the spread. That's, that's how I kind of operate every week. I don't want to be, like, you know, affected by that and then go, oh, you know, bet MGM has it here, so let me adjust my score. Right. Gabriel uh, Davis has been declared out, though. So now do you want to change your that's score? Well, it, but it's crazy. Is like here we are. It's 11 ga- days later, and they're still dealing with injuries. And some of them came about like later in the week last week. Where you're at. To me, that's always, you know, it's another conversation for another time. But it's guys don't even know they're hurt for a day or two because it tore it all. Right. Mm-hmm. So then it's like two days after the game, and they're like, wait. My leg hurts. And it's like, well, yeah, you've been numb for the last 48 hours. So, yeah, you didn't know anything hurt, right? That's what you see across the NFL. Ten points is just too much for me. You know, that, 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 you know I could see Buffalo certainly controlling the game. But, you know, a Mike Vrabel coach defense, I got to think they're going to have something in store to slow down that high-powered attack. No Gabe Davis there, certainly, right? You know, I do think they got – you know, the right people up front to where they can go, we can trust you to stop the run game and we can put people in passing lanes to make things hard on Josh Allen and that aspect of their offense there. Um, the, I, and I think the, 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 the million-dollar question is just like Tennessee passing game, you know, keep our eye on that because, hey, Robert Woods is there, we know, but he didn't have much of an influence on the game. Traylon Burks is there, who's looked pretty good, but still not like a go-to type guy. And... Derrick Henry and the offensive line, are they going to regain the form we've seen in past years where they can be dominant? I'm not sure about that. And then we know this Bills D-line is different this year. So I'm picking the Bills to win, like you talked about, by nine. But I think it's like a a tough nine, right? I don't look at this and go like, oh, they're going to be – like I I could see this game being 23-21 with like five minutes left and Josh Allen goes down and puts a touchdown on the board to kind of put the game away. So that's the first game. I need I need them to win convincingly because I got Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and a couple of my fantasy teams. Okay, Vikings at Eagles last game. Bet MGM odds here. Philly is a two and a half point favorite. Over under is forty nine. Thursday, Chris said that Philadelphia would win thirty one twenty eight. So cover here. What's your key to this game? What are you going to be watching out for? Vikings, Eagles, because I like the Vikings and I like the Eagles. I like both. There, there's a lot to there's a lot to like here about either one, and I think the. I picked the over for this game. I have to do my best bets. Ooh. All right. And my best bets this week, one was the under with the Steelers-Patriots where I hit. Boom. Okay. I was wrong and picked the Bengals to cover, right? So, blah. Yeah. And then I'm hoping to hit boom here again with this one. I picked 31-28. As you can tell, that's way over the over there. But uh, I think hey, the, the big thing I look at is, you know, Vikings, O-line looks real. You know, their ability to run the ball is real. I I think the biggest thing I, I think I'm really looking at because I expect Philly to move the ball on the on the Vikings. I do. I'd have a I have a hard time thinking they're going to be able to slow down Philly. Can Philly slow down the Vikings at all? And I get back into our conversation. Is it going to be simple and just like we talked about on the last Wednesday podcast? Line up in a defense. Here it is. Because if it is, like 
Cousins and O'Connell are going to tear them up, even though the Eagles have a talented defense. So that's something I'm looking for, for sure. You know, what, is there a few tricks or disguises or something different to make Minnesota think? Because if they just play it close to the vest, as good as their D line is and as big as it is, the, the, the Vikings O line is good enough to where they're still going to run the ball with Dalvin Cook and company. And then if they get him in that type of mold there, we know that in the play-action pass, and he's going to have creative ways to hit them in the pass game, I'm expecting a little bit of a shootout. I am. I guess the thing, I, I you know, I don't know what I look at as one key to the game more than maybe just like what defense can make one big play, one big turnover. That might be really all the difference because I think the offenses are going to have their way. And will the Eagles cover Justin Jefferson because the Packers chose not to? And it burned them. You know, that was a choice. It was kind can, of a choice. You look back, you look back on you go, you shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, and the Eagles don't do that stuff either. That's yeah. where I'm a little yeah. worried about it. The Eagles right. are a team that's like, it's a, it's a lot of zone. They don't yeah. put Darius Slay and go, hey, get this Good guy. Yeah. So that's where Maybe I worry do about that. it. Ooh, I'm going to watch that early so on that's, in the game. So that's what I mean. They got to do something off, like, hey, is it a third down? Can we double Justin Jefferson? Or are we just going to line up and cover three and go, whatever cover three play you guys want to call, go ahead. Mm-hmm. We're in three. And you call the best plays for it. That's yeah. what bothers me about it. We Philly. go, our guys are better than your guys. And right. then it's like we get beat and be like, ah, oh, crap. They're not. Actually, they're worse <laughs> than your guys. All right, so that's all the games and two bonus previews. And even a Thursday game, which we don't like to do. Yeah. But we had to well, do it. Well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We got to do it. We had to do it. We had to do it. All right, so that's it. That's week two. Week two. <laughs> if if this keeps up, I'm going to be exhausted. We're go- I'm definitely going to be exhausted. I mean, it, it is. It's, it's. We need some games where I can turn it's a off. Whirlwind, okay? yeah, a whirlwind. Yeah. Whirlwind. Yes. Did I ever? tell you that story about whirlwind no that's how i lost my spelling bee growing up they say whirlwind and i thought they said whirlwind right and so i spelled it w-o-r-l-d-w-i-n-d and they go "Eh." i was down to like the final five oh that's rough i thought it was whirlwind my whole life until just a year ago so we both have whirlwind issues here i mean a whirlwind's crazy it takes you all around the world so i always thought hey it's a whirlwind it's crazy enunciate whirlwind whirlwind right i don't think i would have got it anyway but damn you got to get on uh-oh. Chris has got... Or, uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, my oh, gosh. No. Did I do that? Pete's got bad news. One of the best best bets was actually incorrect. You did not have the under in Steelers-Patriots. You had Ravens-Dolphins under. Oh, my gosh. That hit that hit. That it definitely did hit didn't over. hit under. That oh, did. that hurts. That hurts. I have under written down next to both, and I didn't pick that uh, one. Oh. Mm. Okay. All right. So there you go. I'm, well, so don't bet on me tonight. Don't take the over. Uh, Philly, uh, I'm wrong. And okay? I'm thinking about world win now. What a terrible We're way, all to end the way, the way to end the pod. Wham, wham. Damn, that sucks. That just ruined my Monday. But yeah. everybody... Enjoy the doubleheader tonight yeah. on on Monday night. Well, it's going to be fun. Yeah, your Monday's games. not ruined yet, so no. yeah, out there. We should. Be, we'll see. I could, they need to really rebound here to go one and two. That's um, check us out Wednesday. You know what's coming? The What the F Happened podcast. The Treasure Hunters will be back. Treasure Hunters. We are uncovering treasures all <laughs> around the NFL. Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid. I hope you enjoyed the Monday podcast. Peace out, everybody. Have a good one. Clap it up.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.